Sony has its successor to the PSP. Nintendo has its 3DS. What does that mean for portable gaming? Rifts open and MMO is born. As the March release for this RPG approaches, we'll give you a look at the game from inside the beta. And Bulletstorm, according to one expert, is so grotesquely over the top. But that's a good thing. I, Michael Ubaldi, Heather Richtmeyer, Ed Kirchgesner, and James Day will discuss all that and more on the February 2nd, 2011 Game & Player Podcast. All right, Ed, start us off. All right, well, uh, everyone here is probably familiar with Epic Games, creators of, what, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War, and probably some other PC properties that I just have never played. Well, last night, on a whim, I downloaded the Bulletstorm demo, and it's freaking awesome. Like really really good now you're only able to try the single player uh basically their points challenge mode they have one level available for free download on uh on live and i think on psn and maybe pc as well but uh, it was the live version i was on and for what i look for in a game it rewarded me on so many levels one of my favorite aspects about call of duty has always been that in multiplayer you get that instant gratification when you get a kill. You know, you get points that pop up on screen. Well, do me one better. Give me, you know, words for what I'm doing, like Unreal Tournament did. You know, monster kill. Ultra kill, kill, kill. Ultra kill. Well, this is... Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. It's all those things that have been, you know, spooling out in Halo's various point modes, in Call of Duty, but... Here it is, the, the single player, the multiplayer game we've been promised, these challenge modes, everything revolves around doing things stylishly and racking up points in amazing ways. Now, for those unacquainted, uh, what kind of a, a shooter is Bulletstorm? Bulletstorm is a first-person shooter, which is nice to see. I mean, Gears of War is fun, but, you know, it's a third-person shooter, so if that's not your thing, it's not your thing. Um, I'd say in, in feel... The feel of the game is somewhere between Call of Duty and Gears of War. They did a really good job of mapping a control scheme that I think is more similar to Gear to I'm sorry, excuse me, to Call of Duty onto a play style that feels very much like Gears of War. You've got that speed, you've got the use of cover, and you just have these over-the-top gory kills that, you know, if you realize it's tongue-in-cheek, it's just spectacular. And, you know, like I said, everything about this game is ridiculously over the top. I mean, this is not classy at all. <laughs> There's nothing classy about it. I mean, this is a this is this is a Michael Bay film in video game form. Um, ridiculous dialogue that's almost nonsensical. Um, the invention of new curse words every single second. <laughs> um, wow, I wish I could share some now, but we'd quickly lose our PG rating. Um, <laughs> Seizure-inducing visceral thrills. Well, I yeah, have I mean, to say, th there really is something gratifying about um, that kind of textural feedback. Um, I would say, let's say, in Modern Warfare 2, I will admit, there is a kind of satisfaction that I get when I get a, a headshot with a sniper. There's kind of a ping as it uh, presumably goes right through the helmet and uh, through right. someone's uh, uh, virtual brain pan. There's just there's something fun about that. It, the noises 
uh, uh, mean something to us. Hearing a crowd or a commentator, a color man, that, that means something to people. We, we respond to it. Right. And this is that exact sensation at a Laser Floyd show. <laughs> oh, okay. that's, that's what's going on throughout this entire game, and it never stops. You might think it would get old after a while, but other games that kind of did the same thing, The Club, which is a personal favorite of mine, very similar game, and I would almost say that, that Bulletstorm is The Club on steroids. Yes, The Club was third person. This is first person. But otherwise, the premise is the same. You're trying to rack up points for style and... It is. It's great. I commend Epic for it. You, know, you could probably compare it to something like like bowling. It's a convention. People plan social engagements around it. It's it, it's it's timeless. It's easy. It's digestible. It's relaxing at the same time. It invigorates people. I mean, th- right. that, that's if why. If there was a cheap bar behind me when I was playing Bulletstorm, it would be the perfect experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- that's, I think, why we still play uh, Modern Warfare 2. It's it's easily soluble as, as a pastime. You just sit down, Definitely. you play, yeah. you get your kicks, you're done. I know, for me, I've, a lot of the over-the-top games, I know, I tend to become irritated when some of them go with the presentation of female characters, so that's one thing that I tend to find off-putting. Let me just say one thing to perhaps pique your interest, though, Heather. The uh, female character we saw in the demo had some of the smallest, most realistic breasts I've seen in a video game. <laughs> the slut and level was way, way down. It was. Oh. It was. She was She was tastefully slutty. So, um, <laughs> Couldn't that sidle into sultry or... Uh... Mm. There was yeah. a bit too much dirt on her face to be sultry. Gotcha. I know. Yeah, because yeah. I was like playing WoW the other day, and my comment in vent was, "Man, these characters' breasts make my back hurt. It's just ridiculous." No, and I'll I'll agree with you a hundred percent there, Heather. I think that the vast majority of of video game developers, and by no means am I trying to step on a soapbox here, why can't they just present real women? Because honestly, I find real women. A heck of a lot more attractive than you're right. These these physically impossible chesty buffoons. You know, I I really appreciate real female characters, and to me, I I I think it's it's better. It's more appealing. But uh, you know, yeah. Apparently, Portal didn't do well enough for more people to want to do realistic female characters. Chill when you could uh. see her. Yeah. Yeah. Portal Mirror's Edge. That's another one. Mirror's um, Edge did a great job, but you're right. I think that game has been grossly undervalued. Speaking of which, there are actually a handful of things from Mirror's Edge that I think make their way into uh, Bulletstorm. Really? That's cool. Uh, just it, it all comes down to boils down to feedback again, and the way in which your character is presented on screen. You're given a sense of them having limbs of you know, jostling about of of fire actually having an impact on their existence in the world in a way that a more traditional first-person shooter might not. Um, so, yeah, that was something else that was interesting. But, yeah. Are you talking about the, the, effect, of, the effect of incoming bullets, the, the psychological yeah, reactions? psychological reactions, camera shake, just all that stuff. I mean, yeah, I, on so many levels, this game works in terms of feedback. And that demo was available where? On Xbox Live and, like I said, I believe on PSN and PC. Wow. I'll have to look for it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, one thought for you guys. Um, where does this leave uh, the Duke Nukem series? Because this kind of seems like, you know, what the Duke Nukem Forever should be. Uh, you know, self-aware, completely over the top. Um, people are just have, have said, yeah, what what's Duke Nukem got now? Especially consider it's kind of been brought back from the dead by um, Gearbox uh, developers. Well, should we have um, a poll? <laughs> what, what, how, of, the, of the four of us, who has any intention of buying Duke Nukem Forever? Never. Mm. I would prefer it never come out so I can continue to laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, interest. no interest. No yeah. interest. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think it ever could. Um, I think someone might be able to buy, say, the rights to the franchise, create a game, say, like Bulletstorm, and then rebrand it as Duke Nukem. But I think the, the, the only value that Duke Nukem has, I would say at this point, is cultural and comedic, and, and perhaps a mixture of the two. Duke Nukem, just generally, based on the last few games that we played, what, 10, now 15 years ago, um, I think does have a certain influence. It, it, it uh, carries a, a certain a character to it, and people think back, and I'm sure that uh, inspires developers. And the comedic value, of course, is that here's a, 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 a legacy of what would have been multiple mediocre released titles, and yet uh, it continually uh, uh, emerged after it uh, disappeared, and like you say, uh, James, it, it seems to have been resurrected, but... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess it, I, I would prefer it be just this, uh, this wild goose chase and, uh, and, and people just uh, refer to it as, as they do uh, Chief Falling Rock, who's the, uh, the fellow who's referred to whenever you see those signs on the road. Yeah, it, it just seems like Bulletstorm's completely a more relevant version of what Duke Nukem kind of wishes it could be at this point. Um, is yeah, it then? Franchise just seems, yeah, if, in all you know, aspects, um, to me at least. Uh, do we need Duke Nukem? <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah, I, I agree with you. We could use him to continue laughing at you know this game that's been in development forever. Um, but yeah, Bulletstorm for me is definitely on my to watch list. And Duke Nukem, as someone who. Uh, was a fan of Duke 3D when I was a kid. I mean, that was how long ago that game came out. Um, ostensibly the predecessor to Duke Nukem Forever. I'm still kind of looking at Duke Nukem just in case it's somehow good uh, when it finally comes out. But yeah, judging from the trailer I've seen, yeah, it's still, it just looks dated and Bulletstorm just looks like the new hotness, really. Duke Nukem by it's, any it's other awesome. name. Yeah. There's not much more that I can say except download it because it's awesome. All right. Well, speaking of games that have people uh, quite interested, uh, Heather, you recently uh, played the Rift Beta. Perhaps yep. you're still playing it. What do you think? Well, I'm not still playing it because they have beta events, which only go for a certain length of time. So if it was still up, I would still be playing it, but sadly it's not. Still playing in spirit. Well, what would you think? <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun. It was enough to uh, convince me to go pre-order the game to at least make sure I got in the rest of the beta events. That's enough. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. How does it compare to the regnant MMO, World of Warcraft? How does it compare to other fantasy MMOs you've played? Well, when I first logged in, 
the controls and everything seem very similar to WoW's. Now, there's a lot of the same hotkeys for opening your backpack or that sort of stuff. Which is fair, because as Ed said, with a game like Bulletstorm, you've got buttons mapped to the prevailing uh, shooter of the time. Yep. And... But as I got more into it, the talent system for it is really quite fun. Essentially, it's you pick a class, and then there will be like eight different talent trees your character can choose from, and you can pick any three of them. Interesting. Yeah. What are these? Are, are they based on the typical uh, set of classes that you see in a fantasy MMO? Do, do we have the, the uh, uh, perennial rogue magic user fighter the base classes are rogue warrior cleric and mage so those are certainly very traditional but the trees the souls is what they're called within each class have quite a bit of variety so i ran a dungeon with a rogue tanking really yeah do you think they were just able to do it because it was a low level like you might be able to do in uh, world of warcraft uh, if you tried hard enough no, because some of the rogue souls seem to have quite a few tanking talents or damage-avoiding talents. So depending on which souls you choose and how you spec, rogues could viably tank things from what it looks like. Now, what are you calling them? Souls? Yes. What are those exactly? Well, the concept for it is that you're attuned with the soul of some great hero from the past... And the more points you spend in a certain tree, the more attuned you are with it. So it's pretty much what you call a talent tree, but souls is the terminology that they use for it. Interesting. Um, big world? Small world? Um, the world, I the beta is only open to level 30, and I didn't get a character up to that. But the world seemed relatively large from what I was playing with. And... <laughs> Ninja Cat! Ah. (laughs) So, that was quite enjoyable. The leveling, I know, the leveling was consistently broken up by the Rift events, which I'm told are somewhat accelerated for beta, but those were quite fun for breaking things up. It's essentially a portal opens and creatures from some sort of magic the gathering <coughs> plane <laughs> 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 they don't look like oblivion portals and you don't actually have to go into them and experience one of the three layouts to get through <laughs> interesting now would you compare this perhaps more to a like a like a simulation or adventure rpg like oblivion or because that's that's to me the the, the definitive uh, More, example or something right right something like a Bethesda where you can pick everything up you can loot everything or more of an arcade uh, numbers based simulated tabletop uh, RPG like uh, World of Warcraft. It seems much freer. I compare it in terms of MMOs a bit more to DDO, which has a lot more. At least in terms of the class design and the feel of the combat, it doesn't have the same dependence on auto attacks that something like WoW does, at least when playing a rogue. Mm-hmm. And is... there are a lot of things. I'll be wandering around and I'll be like, ooh, I found an artifact. Really? 
Yes. So do you feel like the world has just a little bit more depth to it uh, as you wander around? Yeah, just a bit. And, you know, the there's a lot more dynamic stuff going on. Your bases will be invaded by the other, by NPCs from the other faction. You'll be invaded by creatures from the different rifts, and you'll be trying to defend your base. So there's a lot more dynamic stuff going on. Yeah, one thing that I've always commented on uh, regarding World of Warcraft is that I do wish that there were more dynamic in-world events. It always seems like players become the most engaged, the most ex- excited. Uh, you tend to have people quickly coming on after they've been texted or something uh, by other by other players or their friends when something unexpected goes on in the real world. Uh, people always seem to react to the invasion of a capital city. So yeah. if that's a regular occurrence, then I do see how that could make for a very uh, energized player base. Certainly does. And the beta I played was very polished. There weren't a lot of major bugs. There were some minor graphical things I ran into, but no major bugs. Every th- the dungeon I ran went quite well. You know, the quests all worked. It'll be really... uh, balanced for 85. <laughs> The level cap, from what I'm told at release, is going to be 50. 50. But it seems, I don't think they're going to have quite the same focus with balance that something like WoW does, it, because it's much closer to something like EVE or, like I said, DDO in terms of how I see the class stuff working out, just with the level of flexibility. How so? I mean, are you, are you thinking that people won't be as micromanaging? You won't have as much calculation and people arriving at both theoretical and imperial, uh, empirical conclusions that uh, one class is better than another, especially in I, PvP. I think there will be less of that, certainly, with how flexible the system is. And I'm, and I'm hoping that they'll include more things that aren't just measured by pure DPS or pure you know, damage-absorbing capabilities. No, it was very polished. There's some incredibly nice details on there. One particular favorite was when you go to loot a mob that you have loot rights on, it automatically loots all mobs within a certain range that you also have loot rights on. Oh, well. Yeah. That'll save time. It does. <laughs> now, uh, what do you think the designers have in store for Endgame? Um, so far, it seems... Somewhat of a more traditional endgame, you know, dungeons, raids. Obviously, there's a lot of dynamic stuff going on. Some of the PvP stuff looks interesting. They actually have a specific PvP soul you can unlock for each class. Mm-hmm. And some PvP rewards. So, I know, the very end game isn't available for beta testing yet. I'm guessing it'll probably be available within the next couple betas. Because the cap for the one I was in was level 30. So if they keep kicking it up by 10 levels or so over the next betas. Eventually they'll get there. Yep. But it was quite polished. I was having a lot of fun. There's definitely some nice details going on. And it seems to kind of hit the sweet spot of having some familiar elements and you know, familiar controls that work very well, and then having some very nice new twists to the formula. Though, I was, one thing that did disappoint me was looking at some of the previews, 
they had like a female assassin who looked relatively awesome. So it's like, hey, female characters who are wearing realistic armor. And? The game is somewhat sporadic with it. For example, my cleric, the chain armor she's wearing, usually it looks very nice, very practical, pretty covering. But some of the guards are, <laughs> well, the male guards are fully armored. The female guards are wearing plate bikinis. So it's a bit uneven in that area. Armored pasties? Yeah, something like that. Of course, this is, I saw there was some commentary on the forums about them. Someone was complaining that the female models tend to fit a more realistic proportion, which is nice, even if some of them are wearing bikinis. But someone was complaining on the forums that he thought the female characters had no breasts whatsoever. Well, that's kind of his problem that needs to be resolved in real life. Yeah. Because apparently he hasn't had much experience with real life, if he thinks that. Yeah. You know, uh, while we're on this this subtopic, what are the males like? Are they all bulked out uh, weightlifting champions? Uh, no. Some of the... There's six different races, and some of the races are... A bit more bulky. Some of them aren't. I mean, it doesn't also have the kind of comic graphic style of something like WoW. So there aren't going to be as there isn't going to be as much exaggeration. But no, I didn't mm-hmm. see the males as horribly exaggerated. So that was also pleasing. Though I was mostly playing female characters. I only had a couple characters that I managed to get in during the time of the beta event. Mm-hmm. The only question I really have is, uh, what's the big hook compared to your World of Warcraft and stuff? What's the one thing you would you'd say to someone who has not seen the game at all? What's the big selling point? I think it's a dynamic it's either the dynamic events or the character flexibility options. I'm not sure I could decide between the two at this point, because I greatly enjoyed both of them. And I really want to make a rogue tank now. (laughs) For as long as you can until they realize that that's uh, totally overpowered. I, given that they do have defensive base trees to the rogues, it seems to be something that they are, in fact, intending Strange. So you will be uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed come the March release. Uh, actually, I might not be. I might have stayed up too late playing the beta. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have a few more things coming down the pike. Uh, James, why don't you give us a sense of that? Yeah. Um, my topic this week uh, is new portable systems. Um, the last few weeks, they've been... All over the gaming news, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Nintendo had a synchronized press conference in both Amsterdam and New York uh, to reveal some more details about the Nintendo 3DS, their successor to the uh, their DS system. And last week, Sony, Sony finally uh, pulled back the curtain and let the world see the successor to the PlayStation Portable which uh, they've codenamed NGP, which stands for Next Generation Portable. Um, which I is, had no idea what that meant until now. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, it's kind of uninspiring, even for a codename. But uh, yeah, since um, these portables have just been, you can't, can't really escape them if you've been paying attention to gaming news the last few weeks. So I thought we'd uh, 
just to see, uh, share our thoughts on them. Um, let's not start with me because I've actually got a a commentary piece for the site coming soon about the systems. So, Ed, you seem like you're most in the know. Um, what are your feelings? Yeah, about I, well, I'm I'm pretty pumped about the uh, the PSP two, or I'm sorry, the NGP. We'll call it. Um, because I've always been a huge fan of the original PSP. Um, this is a device. It can do so much, had this gorgeous screen, and uh, the games that were on the system were always so full-featured. Um, so I'm curious to see how big of an improvement you know, dual analog sticks make, uh, better online uh, integration makes. Um, yeah, now one question I would have for you, James, you may have come across this. I haven't actually read any of the press releases from earlier this week on the system. In terms of, uh, of game media, I, I saw a screen capture just a few minutes ago of what looks like some new proprietary flash memory standard that I'm assuming they're planning on distributing games on. Do you have any idea? Are they planning on a full download system like they were trying to do with the PSP Go, or will there still be physical media you could buy at a store? Yeah, there's still going to be physical media, yeah, proprietary uh, uh, system of some sort. I haven't seen pictures of it, and I don't know the full details, but yeah, it's definitely not download exclusive. Um, but they okay. have actually said um, your download games for the original PSP, your PSP minis, and I think was it your PlayStation 1 classic games are all going to be backwards compatible. Uh, Basically, with if it wasn't on UMD, it'll, it'll work. Yeah, so that that yeah. sounds good. Um, but uh, yeah, I've you definitely one of the more positive voices I've heard about the NGP because most people were not. I don't know. Most people I know anecdotally were not great fans of the PSP. Um, what's your take on this? What was your favorite software for the PSP? Um, it's quite interesting to me, uh, and I cover this in the commentary piece that's uh, coming soon, but um, there were just a lot of games for the PSP that were kind of just uh, games in the same vein as ones you could already get on the uh, Play PlayStation 3. Um, right. And I thought that was kind of uh, a knock against the PSP in a way because a lot of people would rather play them at home uh, on their couch, on their home cinema systems, than on a small screen and a uh, rubbish little analog uh, nub thing that the yeah, PSP had. I, um, I guess my, my praise for the system boils down to the fact that if I was ever traveling, if I'm sitting in a hotel room with nothing to do, the PSP as a portable system came so much closer to giving me the same power I would have on a home console than the Nintendo DS ever did. I liked the DS. At the same time, the DS was clearly designed. I, maybe I'm being a bit strong here, but to me, it was always designed with children in mind. Had to have been because the thing gives me carpal tunnel like nobody's business. <laughs> and I don't have particularly large hands. But for a half hour after playing a, a Nintendo DS game, my hands are cramped up messes. Whereas I always just felt, you know, the PSP is a slightly larger device. And, yeah, granted, it only having one analog stick that kind of was a crappy control input at that, it was a handicap. But it was amazing when a good developer realized the system's limitations, some of the games that came out, even good, even 3D games, were, were really, really good. Um, 
uh, Daxter would be one that comes to mind. Great 3D platformer. Um, what other 3D games that I play that I enjoyed? Uh, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops is an outstanding game. Uh, the SOCOM games, Bravo Team, were serviceable but but entertaining. Um, yeah, and then once he stepped away from the 3D arena, I mean, there was nothing that platform couldn't do well. Um, RPGs were a lot of fun. I'm still playing uh, the newest Valkyria Chronicles right now. Um, and great game. Really, nothing is lost on the PSP compared to the original PS3 version. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I'm probably one of the few people you'll meet who really, really enjoy the PSP as a platform. Hmm. Um, so, so how much do you know about the software that Sony have announced so far for NGP? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, just a few off the top of my head, there's uh, a new Uncharted game coming. Which okay. is something that actually immediately raises an eyebrow with me because I would think that that would be a better game just to highlight traditional 3D gaming working exquisitely on a portable handheld. But but continue. I'm curious what your take is. Yeah, um, it's that is an odd choice to start putting touch controls into it, um, especially now that the, the NGP's actually got two uh, analog sticks, much like your home game systems. Um, but they showed uh, Nathan Drake uh, climbing up a, a wall and like a rope by like dragging your fingers sort of upwards on the, the touch panel on the, the bottom of the NGP, which um, doesn't seem suitable for kind of an action game, are those kind of controls. Um, but they showed, a, they showed another game, I, can't, I forget what it's called, but it was kind of almost a top-down sort of game where you're manipulating this field trying to kill enemies, and the bottom screen... You, you drag your fingers across and it sort of pushes the game world from below like a sheet of paper. So you're kind of affecting the things that are on top of the sheet uh, by pushing underneath, um, which looked kind of interesting. Um, and it seems, again, like if the games are uh, developed to suit the controls, I'm all for it. But trying to crowbar in something like Uncharted... Um, and it looks so close to Uncharted 2 as well. Uh, the NGP is supposedly almost as uh, powerful as um, the PS3. So, yeah, it, it doesn't seem right. I wouldn't want to go and play my copy of Uncharted 2 with, you know, sort of um, imprecise touchscreen controls. So, I yeah, I'm uh, and skeptical. You know, it, yeah, you're raising an eyebrow f- with me already just because... Uh, it sounds to me like Sony, for whatever reason, really wants this thing to feel like an iPad, yeah. which to me is completely that, – that is the worst idea possible because what you have is – or what you should have is a handheld gaming device designed with the hardcore player in mind, the sort of person who wants an alternative to iPad games. People that are buying a, an NGP, they're not buying it for Angry Birds. You know, they're buying it because they want to be able to take the shooters that they've been playing on their PC or their powerful home console on the road. Um, this is these are not the same users, and to suggest they are, I'm, I'm 
the thing should have a touch screen. Yes. You know, if I'm navigating a menu, yeah, I should be able to use the screen as a touch screen. This is 2010. At the same time, um, yeah, it it just strikes me as odd that they finally add a good 3D, traditional 3D control interface, and now you go and muck it up with touch controls? Yeah. Um, I mean, just to, as a disclaimer, this Uncharted thing was maybe a tech demo. They didn't really... They weren't specific about it. If it was, un, you know, Uncharted, you know, a, a spin-off or a, just a tech demo. So, yeah, yeah, um, let's not uh, judge too much. But right, and we can always hope um, too that this was simply the game's version of a scripted event. Utilize these uh, these little mini games that were touch control, and then the rest of the game was traditional 3D with the dual analog sticks. That I'd be fine with. But to completely discount the fact that you have dual analog sticks in a portable seems to me the worst mistake Sony could ever make. Yeah. I, I, going back to your iPad point, it does seem like they're trying to go for an everything to everyone kind of vibe. Like their, right. uh, the tagline that they've been banding around for the PS3 and the NGP now, I think, is that um, it only does everything. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think that was maybe part of the problem that the PSP suffered, that they didn't have a sort of singular focus they you know you had your you could use it as a mp3 player a video player and all those things worked fairly well but i think consumers maybe started getting a little bit confused at what this platform was supposed to be um not I mean, to mention hand, that the developer stable on the original psp was horrible sony yeah. did so little to support external development that you know there were some years even two years into the system's life cycle, that, you know, I couldn't name a game that came out for the platform. Mm. I think the the last year or 18 months have been better to the PSP in terms of software than I'd say any time in the last four years. Wow. That's, yeah, that's surprising to hear that because I can only name two PSP games that have really come out in the last two years roughly and that was the the latest more metal, uh, metal gear solid what was it that wasn't portable ops, uh, uh, peacemaker peacemaker Peace Peace peacemaker or peace walker yeah yeah and which uh, i have not God played but i heard it was pretty good yeah at least in the uk those games i think they barely charted um in the sort of all formats charts so Jeez. that was my kind of indication that the psp was kind of so niche at that point um but yeah, um, Heather, Mike, you got any uh, thoughts on the NGP? All I want to say is that that was a very intensely interesting conversation, but it confirms that I have absolutely no interest in portable gaming. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. I don't think that's even fit for the podcast, what I just said, but I just had to convey <laughs> Like, you know, it was just like, I, I, I'm, I'm... That was great, but I hate you. No, I just hate the, I just hate the topic. For some reason, I find portable oh. gaming redundant to me i mm. want i i don't have any need to take games uh, with me well mike i'll tell you what what you're saying actually is not irrelevant and the reason being i i think that the the biggest question sony needs to be asking itself with regards to the ngp and i think nintendo needs to be doing the same thing with the 3ds how many of these things do they really think are going to sell i think you'd when- be surprised um just based on the people who do enjoy portable gaming. For some people, it's it's bread and butter. Mm. I mean, obviously, it's foreign to me, 
But the, think, the, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, James. Oh, I think just for me personally, it meant a lot more uh, as a kid to have uh, a portable games device. Um, it's obviously back in like the late 80s, early 90s, we didn't have, at least in this country, we didn't have uh, a TV per room and I didn't have a TV in my bedroom. So a Game Boy, getting a Game Boy for Christmas was an absolute godsend because it meant I didn't have to you know, ask permission to use the TV um, and annoy the hell out of my parents and I could take it anywhere and it was, you know, it was mine. Um, but as an adult, you know, I could afford to buy every console and, you know, have, a, have my own TV to play the home systems on. So I think for young people, um, young people is a big part of the portable demographic. At the same time, though, I do think that uh, the demographic includes those, say, 30 and over, and maybe some Gen Xers who are 40 and over. And and that, to me, again, indicates this deep-seated interest, this this love for portable gaming that I just cannot relate to. I, I respect it, but it's incomprehensible. But I think, too, Mike, that the audience you're discussing is such a small niche audience that you you, you can't spend millions and millions of dollars developing a platform like this and expect that, I don't know, the one or two million Americans that fit into that that demographic you just mentioned are going to keep this platform alive because they're not. And going back to what James said about, you know, youth loving portable gaming, um, Definitely. I agree with him. I mean, especially when I was a kid, I was in the same boat. You know, I didn't have a TV in my room. The idea, I never had a portable game system either, but the idea really appealed to me. If I could have had something, I could have taken anywhere. But today, I look at my friend's kids who are, you know, middle school aged, late grade school aged. I know 10 year olds that already have iPod touches or heck, iPhones, and they've already gotten rid of their their ds as a result i mean they don't they could care less about the ds and it's all apple products mm. it, part of it i think is is the software um this is a point that i raised in my commentary piece that and nintendo and sony with the the games they've announced so far for the new systems seem to be missing the point of of portable gaming they're they're kind of trying to bring over the games like uncharted these uh these AAA, you know, full home experiences to the portable systems. And um, Apple have kind of proven that uh, these short, more casual experiences and cheaper as well is, is a big factor of it, uh, what people seem to be gravitating towards. So I really have no interest in a portable gaming experience that is just the game I play on my computer or the game I play on my Xbox or whatever in a less in a format with, you know, less horsepower, less controls, even if I do have small hands. Now, so that <laughs> isn't necessarily appealing. I'd like to have, be more interested if there was something that was a different, enjoyable experience. Okay. So, so where do you weigh in on the 3DS, say? Because for me, um, that's a lot more appealing than the uh, NGP, purely because of the... Uh, the um, no glasses 3D uh, feature that's coming with it. I mean, I've, I'm not interested in buying 3D TVs for the home because they're so expensive. 
expensive. Um, and there's been some rumors that uh, running your games in 3D uh, actually can affect uh, graphical performance. Um, but with a 3DS, you don't need glasses, and the the system is supposedly powerful enough, yet on a on small enough screens that uh, the 3D effect is is uh, not only really striking, um, but yeah, the games are, are supposed to look really really good. Um, but uh, let's go back round uh, to Ed to get get your opinion on the 3DS. Uh, I'm guessing. You you weren't that big a fan of the original DS, if you uh, the yeah the form. form factor of the system I think was the biggest turnoff for me always. I mean I I wanted to play DS games, but I could never do it for a long period of time because like I said, my hands hurt so bad after the experience. Um, and which model honest, were you using, by the way? Uh, I have a DS Lite. Okay. Hmm. Um, Did you ever try so, getting your hands around the? The XL, the that's the thing. I think one. I may have been happier with the XL, but mm-hmm. once again, after having spent you know 150 or 108, whatever, whatever I've been spent on the DS Lite, I'm not a fan of having to re up every time Nintendo uh, comes out with a hardware revision. So I just have not invested, and I'm I'd say the same thing is my biggest problem with the uh, the 3DS. It's too bloody expensive. Um, two hundred and fifty bucks to me, when when four hundred dollars buys me a forty two inch plasma television, mm. to pay two hundred and fifty dollars for a portable game system is just asinine to me. It, 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 it's 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 not a sell for me. That's for certain. Um, I, I'm excited about the games. Yes, I'm excited by the three D aspect. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing these things in action but in terms of ownership i have absolutely no plans hmm. well the uh was it the 250 dollars price tag obviously that's the you know starting price there's bound to be price drops later on yeah. um and also uh the ngp's price hasn't been announced yet but a lot of people are suspecting it's going to be even more than the 3ds i'm sure it will be i'm sure it will yeah. be yeah so it's yeah, the portables seem to be very expensive in this coming generation. Um, and there's even talk that uh, the the games for the 3DS will be more expensive than the than the DS games, since they at least over here sold for considerably cheaper than the console games, uh, home mm-hmm. console games. Um, but uh, Michael, Heather, you got anything to chime in about 3DS? Two hundred and fifty dollars? Oh no, not doing it. <laughs> Fair enough, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Heather speak for me. Honestly, I'm I'm Yeah, I mean how nice of a graphics card could you get for that? Mm. But then you know, you could make the argument that look at the iPad, how much does that sell for? That that was something insane last time I checked. Uh, uh I would never pay that much. Exactly. Yeah, five five hundred <laughs> bucks, which is a lot of money at the same time. It's a different kind of gadget. It's a different mm-hmm. gadget. It's more of a do-all gadget. You know, I think it's, it's it's much easier to see a portable gaming system as redundant, as I think Heather does, and I certainly do, uh, than an Apple product, which serves a variety of functions, both uh, recreational and social. And I'm going to sound like a horrible gamer for saying such, but I also think that at these price points, both of them just seem like frivolous purchases. Um 
when, when you already have a number mm-hmm. of gadgets that do many of the same things, if you have an iPad, if you have an iPhone, to then go out and spend another $250 or, you know, heck, in the case of the NGP, I'm assuming four or $500, I'm not going to spend $500 on an, on an NGP when that same money gets me an iPad. I'm just not going to do it. That reminds me of when I was at FAO Schwartz uh, right around Christmas 1987. That was the kind of uh, age of small electronic robots that attempt to uh, carry out uh, domestic tasks. And uh, there was a stack... Let me drop my drink for you. (laughs) (laughs) There was a stack of Nintendos, the 8-bit Nintendos. There were these two girls who were pleading with their parents to purchase a Nintendo. And this was back during uh, the, uh, the, the, I think, initial American promotion that had that little game buddy. And the girls were whining, but mom, it serves food. <laughs> well, they got snuckered by the the marketing there then, because uh, from what I know of uh, Rob the robot, he basically moved a disc from left to right, and that's kind of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, didn't he play and lose against you? Yeah, you're yes. supposed to act like a second player, but he was, you know, an 80s, you know, cheap toy robot, basically, that didn't work that well from what i know my um, cat is a far better second player than robbie ever was that's right <laughs> but uh heather and mike is, does the uh the allure of the glasses three uh free 3d tempt you guys uh, uh, at all it's appealing but it's not that appealing for the price and also i'll admit i haven't kept horribly up on the games but i haven't heard of any games that would really tempt me to test out the system at this point so i suppose it might depend where you weigh in on 3d in general um films tv that sort of stuff but uh i still play ocarina of time that may give an idea of how archaic i can be at times however heather let me tell you it's being remade it's being remade for the 3ds i did see that that was quite tempting yeah.